Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. Today on the Ether, Shade Protocol, moving into ETH and Meta Engine discussions. Let's take a listen. Welcome, guys. Appreciate you being here on time. Going to give it another few minutes to let a few other individuals uh, come in here before we kick off this conversation. It's, it's going to be a really good one, so I appreciate you guys being here on time. While we're giving individuals a few more minutes to come in here, if you guys do have the opportunity, like if you're at your desktop or you have the ability to uh, look up anything, highly suggest you guys checking out the Shade Protocol forums. Um, there was a recent post made by SBeam uh, considering automated market operations and uh, helping with uh, Silk trading closer to its peg. So encourage you guys to definitely read that. Um, it's a bit longer of a post, so it might take five minutes or so to read through it, but it's uh, really important as uh, you know, it could pose a really interesting uh, mechanism for the protocol to partake in helping Silk uh, trade closer to its peg, which will help uh, you know pools become a bit more balanced. And it's also a good way for the protocol to potentially earn revenue. So encourage you guys to read that um, if you're not able to right now or uh, before we get into this discussion not a problem but give this uh one more minute and then uh, we will kick this off how are we doing welcome carter doing well how about yourself doing good sir doing good the building feeling rested up how was your uh weekend it was good um been trying to spend a lot of time outside uh, now that the weather is consistently consistently nice. So getting my breaks away from the computer when I can. Um, but yeah, it was good. I'm always excited to get back into the next week. So much stuff going on. I saw your uh, touching grass tweet. I thought that was pretty brilliant. You're like touching, touching grass. There's like so much stuff underneath the ground right there. So you'd think touching grass is a simple thing, but in reality... There's still a lot of complexity a mere inches beneath the grass, so to speak. Yeah, that was just a result of me laying outside in my backyard with my dog uh, <laughs> and just looking at the ground and just being kind of amazed at all the little bugs and stuff that we never see. It's just so small, but has a huge impact. It does. It does indeed. Well, today should be a fun one. We got the Ethereum bridge officially live on the Shade Bridge interface. And um, staking is also live on testnet. So that's going to be coming uh, either this upcoming week or week. So really, really excited to get that out there. Uh, there's the forum post about uh, using AMOs to bring Silk uh, back to PEG that I know uh, SBeam put a bunch of time uh, into. And so overall, it's just 
the despite the bear market, despite the prices, um, the building continues to you know build unstoppable finance that uh, empowers users with sovereignty and privacy. And uh, it's really cool to see all of this, the, the rails to actually onboard people into this truly powerful decentralized finance system that is Shade Protocol is becoming uh, easier and easier to bring people into. 100%. And I think one of the one of the big things I wanted to touch on today was some of the recent updates to the Shade Bridge interface and, and how that really impacts um, the, the user experience for not only Cosmos users, but uh, trying to branch out and provide uh, value for the Ethereum user base and kind of how um, that, that story has been impacted. Uh, you know, we've got the launch of the fee grant um, that happened last week. Uh, and that basically allows users who don't have secret in their wallet uh, as they onboard into private DeFi and shade protocol, they have the ability to acquire gas to actually swap some of their bridged assets for secret so they can use that secret in the future uh, for transactions within shade protocols ecosystem. And then on top of that, we launched the Ethereum bridge interface that allows users to bridge directly from Ethereum and you know, we're going to be looking to expand that bridge compatibility for other uh, for other chains in the future. But for now, you know, those two functionalities uh, being upgraded on the Shade Bridge pose a very a very valuable improvement to the user experience as individuals are onboarding into Shade Protocol. Uh, you know, I think it's obvious when you really think about it, but you only get one first impression, right? And so I think um, our goal right here was kind of making sure that that first impression for all new users, not only Cosmos users wanting to experiment in private DeFi, but users outside of the Cosmos who, you know, aren't really familiar with the Cosmos at all, making sure that transition is as smooth as possible. And so um, I didn't know if you wanted to kind of touch on, Carter, what you think uh, some of the value uh, that is being unlocked with these two additions to the Shade Bridge are. For sure. So I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of these Ethereum users that are becoming increasingly comfortable with using L2 ecosystems like Arbitrum and Optimism. And we have this really big opportunity now that we have the Axelar bridge interface, you know, tied into the Shape Protocol app directly to actually, you know, onboard these users into Cosmos and onboard them into Shape Protocol. I really want the user experience to be something that an Ethereum user is comfortable with. Uh, they, if we do our job right, once we have MetaMask compatibility uh, on the Shade app, an Ethereum user doesn't even need to know that they're on a Cosmos chain. They don't even know. They don't even need to know that they're on Secure Network. What they need to know is that their data is protected. Um, that they're using something that empowers them with privacy, that protects their trade positions, that protects their lending positions. Uh, that they're entering into this very cohesive and simplistic shade DeFi ecosystem that is is more powerful than many of the Ethereum apps they use in terms of the protections that it can guarantee. Uh, and so that's ultimately what this is all about. This is about uh, onboarding the next generation of of private DeFi users from Ethereum, from Cosmos, into the Shade Protocol DApp Suite, and 
you do that by making the user experience as seamless and as easy as possible. And we've been very, very focused on Cosmos for the first you know, year and a year and a half of the, uh, of the journey. But increasingly, I think there's an opportunity here uh, to onboard Ethereum users too. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, the thing that when I really think about uh, the impact this is going to have and kind of what at least I've seen happening in the cosmos um, lately, the, the opportunity for shade seems very unique in a sense because, you know, we want to create an ecosystem that doesn't just encourage assets to migrate from cosmos chain to cosmos chain, like the same mercenary capital moving from chain to chain, uh, trying to farm tokens or, you know, there's no real, uh, value accrual and value transfer into the ecosystem outside of just the, I guess the, the speculative market cap going up and down based on you know these uh, price fluctuations. And so, uh, <clears throat> but what we're essentially able to do is encourage this in inclusion and utility for all major ecosystems. And so, we have a few things going for us that <clears throat> that a lot of other projects unfortunately don't have. You know, with secret networks privacy, with shade protocols, novel utility uh, and efficiency, with the simplified UX, we have a very real chance to we have a very real chance to bring additional liquidity and attention from EVM chains, unlike many applications have been able to do thus far. And so, when I think of you know the value proposition of what Shade is doing, I think the addition of this, that continued simplification of the user experiences is really going to bode well for us uh, in the long term. Yeah, and I'll just say that like when we set out on this journey, you know, two, three years ago, one of the assumptions, one of the baseline assumptions was that interoperability was gonna be solved for. Like it's it's easy to forget that, you know, three to five years ago, bridges were still at their, their earliest stages. And, and now, you know, the next five years, bridging is gonna continue to mature. Security practices, while, while very painfully, uh, they'll, they'll continue. They'll, they'll continue to improve, right? And so, if you assume that interoperability with with IBC and whatever, whatever other you know proof of stake bridging protocols are going to emerge, if you assume that that ends up in a really good place, the question then becomes like, what what attributes are actually out there that are super super valuable? Because because right now it's like ease of use, right? Ease of use. You have this complicated DeFi world. People want to be able to leverage their capital in really unique ways. They want to have composability between different products. And if you can make that process really easy, that's that's great, right? But you got to assume that in like, you know, five, 10 years, UI UX is going to continue to improve. This composability is going to continue to improve. That, that things like accessibility um, are going to become less valuable. And what becomes more valuable are, are, are kind of like these, these pure attributes. And, and these pure attributes, I think one of them is privacy. It's something that, you know, crypto has shown us that it cares about transactional privacy. That thesis has been there from very, very, very early on in the Monero community. People want to have censorship of resistant money. They, they want that sovereignty. But I, I think data privacy for DeFi is also going to emerge as, as extremely valuable, as, as an attribute that people won't want to operate without. Why would you expose everything? Why would you expose your lending positions, your trading positions, your strategies, your portfolios? Why would you put that completely out there publicly? 
that's that's a security risk. There's censorship risk tied to that. And it's something that I just don't want us to lose track of, that we have this baked in from day one. We put in the two to three years of pain on the developer front to have this moat, to have this competitive advantage. And now the question is, is how do we how do we pull people into this vision? How do we get everyone to understand the value of, of this privacy attribute? Because uh, I firmly believe in five to 10 years, it's going to be the default. It's the, the jump from HTTP to HTTPS. Um, it, it wasn't obvious at the time, but in hindsight, it's obvious that better security and better privacy will win out as something that's valuable. Um, and so, yeah, that's as a whole, that's that's the long term thesis that Shape Protocol is really well positioned right now with privacy. And the other attribute which we're going to be talking about today is sustainability. Sustainability is this this really tough problem in DeFi that it's expensive to bootstrap users. It's it's very expensive to fight over attention, uh, and it's and it's really easy to get caught up in this this small world of cosmos, and in many ways the small world of crypto. So how do we actually pull in new users, and how do you make a protocol that's truly sustainable? It's something that our whole industry is is still fighting to figure out. And at least for Shape Protocol, we have this theory known as the Meta Engine, which is essentially an idea that you can you can really build your way out of the problem. You can continue to build out one primitive at a time, and if they're all hyper interconnected, you essentially have this self-sustaining, self-interacting economy that generates uh, a, a lot of value. And so, as long as there's demand to use these public goods, and they're all interfaced with each other. Uh, these fees can be reinvested into improving the underlying public goods. That's really that's really the theory of the meta engine at the heart of it. Um, and naturally, there's going to be people right now, like in this bear market, that's like, oh, you know, shade prices, shade price is bad. When is the meta engine going live? It's just a farm token. And I and I think like in its current state, before staking goes live, that's that's probably like an accurate. It's an accurate description, right? Um, but you know, starting. Two weeks, I would say two weeks from now, really the story of Shape Protocol changes. Uh, you have fees being shared. You, you can head towards this very puristic real yield model. But the difference is this isn't just one form of real yield from one single DeFi product. This is real yield coming from five plus products, right? And the vision of Shape Protocol is that it's one day it's not just five products feeding the sustainability. It's 20 products feeding the sustainability. And all of them interact with each other and all of them are part of this cohesive uh, platform. So anyways, that's that's a bit of my excitement and summary. I think you, you mentioned some really important parts there. And for anyone who is just joining and isn't necessarily super familiar with Shade Protocol as a whole, Shade Protocol is an interconnected ecosystem of self-referential privacy-preserving applications that share value accrual governance and interconnected functions under a single overarching token. And so what, what Carter was really talking about here uh, with the meta engine and the sustainability that uh, Shade Protocol is going to be able to um, start working towards as a result of all these self-referential self applications, um, you know, I think it might be important to, uh, to highlight, you know, how does the shade meta engine differ from other value accrual mechanisms that exist uh, in Web3 projects. Um, obviously, one of the big things that Carter just pointed out is that most of these applications are focusing on one very specific function. It could be a single application um, or a very small subset of applications, but 
the interconnectedness of them um, is not there. They're not uh, completely self-referential. All of that value accrual is not necessarily going to, um, you know, one token or the value accrual is split and fractured. Um, and so, Carter, I, just wondering if, is there anything else uh, that you think um, the shade meta engine differs from other value accrual mechanisms that exist? Like anything that, um, you know, stands out uh, pretty obviously to you? For me, I think I think it's the user stories that stand out the most. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you an example of this, right? Um, so, I'm I'm a user, and I'm I'm a I I, I want to leverage my you know SCRT capital in a variety of ways. So, um, maybe maybe I'm a new user, right? So I started out on Coinbase. Um, maybe I bought maybe I bought some Atom, and so I, I go to the Shade Bridge page and I bridge in this atom um, on our bridge page onto secret network. And so I decide to uh, go and buy um, some secret secret, right? So I perform a simple swap atom to secret secret. Just there, you've just generated your first protocol fee, right? Protocol takes a very small percentage of all trading fees towards its treasury. So that's, that's, that's fee one back to the meta engine. Um, and, and the LPs, of course, are, are paid in the process. So now the user has secret secret. And actually, they've decided that they actually want to stake their secret. Uh, in, in this user story, we're going to assume that they actually want to stake the secret as opposed to swap it for, for Shape Protocol's uh, staking derivative. So they go to the staking derivative page with the secret secret, and they decide to mint out uh, STKD-secret. This was a staking derivative uh, launched by Shape Protocol last year. And so now, when they decide to lock up their secret secret and mint out STKD-secret, They've now just created a minting fee that went back to the protocol. So that's that's fee number two within like this this user story, and now they have their staking derivative and they're passively earning uh, staking yields. Now this user wants to lever up on their capital, so they go to the borrow page, which was one click away from the staking derivative page, and they decide to uh, lock up their STKD that secret to mint out silk. Uh, in the process of doing that. They just created a borrowing fee, which right now borrowing fees and interest fees are at 0%. So this is like a little bit of a future story, right? So they pay the borrowing fee to um, deposit their stake secret to mint out Silk. And now there, there's also an interest fee accruing back uh, to the protocol uh, from this, this minted out Silk. And now maybe this user takes the Silk and deposits it into the Silk earn pool. Now they're helping the stability of the protocol because their Silk is actually helping handle liquidations on Shadeland. They're helping maintain the stability of the stablecoin. And maybe with the rest of their silk, they decide to turn around and go and deposit it into, let's say, let's say there was a Shade Protocol money market, right? So now they deposit silk into a money market there. They're borrowing out their silk to other users. They're earning from the earn pool. And um, anytime there's a liquidation, Shade Protocol is also, the, the protocol DAO earns from the Shadeland liquidation. So. The long and short is in a relatively, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a power user story, but we're talking about four to five interconnected pieces of the puzzle. Um, and we're like liquidations on lend create volume on shade swap, right? Like th these are beautiful little interconnected pieces that just don't necessarily exist elsewhere in DeFi. And, and if they do, 99% of the time, 
there's different governance tokens behind them, right? So like you have Mars Protocol and Osmosis, um, and you know Mars is a is a is a money market, and so they help stimulate volume on Osmosis, and Osmosis liquidity helps unlock collateral types on Mars. But the value accrual is fractured, right? Because fees accrued on Mars don't go directly back to Osmosis, and stuff on Osmosis doesn't go directly back on Mars. Imagine if Mars Protocol had launched and the governance token was Osmo, right? How much more powerful would that story have been for Osmosis if there wasn't a Mars governance token? How much more powerful would it be is if as you expand your DeFi app ecosystem, you don't fracture that value accrual. If all the user stories are symbiotically working together with no fractured incentives, that's the biggest difference with Shade Protocol. We refuse, we refuse to, to fracture and cave to the impulse of launching new governance tokens. We're not going to do it. All, all the way till death's doorstep, we refuse to do that. Every single app has Shade as the governance token and all fees go back to that. That is the key secret sauce and that is what makes the meta engine so powerful. There's a, there's a beautiful story you told, Carter, not going to lie. Uh, got me juiced up. <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, when people are hearing this, I'm sure one of the next questions they're thinking in their head is, you know, how does this impact me as a token holder? And you touched on it earlier. Um, that staking is kind of going to be the ignition that really sparks the meta engine and brings it to life where individuals are able to actually uh, feel the impact of that value accrual to the token and the protocol. Um, and so, as, as Carter also mentioned, staking is currently live on public testnet, so anyone can go and test it out uh, if they'd like. Um, if anyone wants to go test it right now, the website is testnet.shadeprotocol.io. There's going to be a password there. The password is uh, Spartan117. Um, and then there's a, a faucet at the top of that testnet for you to get any tokens that you would need to be able to interact with any of the applications on Shade. So it gives you a good uh, place to actually go around and play play with the protocol without having to spend any of your real money if you wanted to just familiarize yourself with the protocol and how it works. Um, but to get back to uh, the impact of staking, Carter, how is, how is staking going to uh, allow token holders to actually participate in this value accrual? And this obviously, this goes back into the meta engine and the fee allocations, but um, I'd love for you to touch on how staking uh, is, is really that ignition for the meta engine. For sure. So I think we have to start with what, what is the role of a staker? Right. What what utility are stakers providing to the protocol? What service are they providing? And it's really it's really two things. The first piece is shade staking is preventative against a fifty one percent attack. Right. Uh, and once once governance goes live for shade protocol, if you didn't have a staking mechanism, it'd be much easier for an attacker to buy up fifty one percent of the supply and then be able to potentially attack shade governance. Attacking shade governance is really bad because they could do something like modify Silk's peg in a way that's malicious. So there's some other app, apps out there that are like, oh, like 51% attack, it protects you know, our treasury. But in our case, like 51% attack is, is protecting against like Silk's peg being modified, right? So that's a like hugely, hugely important thing to protect against is Silk stability as well as the, as the Shade DAO's treasury. Um, 
So that's utility one, protection against 51% attack. Utility number two, of course, is governance. Um, long ago, we kind of envisioned this concept known as assemblies, where you'd have these regular reoccurring elections where the community would be able to really you know, take control of the grants program, uh, of different portions of the treasury. You can have sub-DAOs, you can have committees handling fees, um, like fee allocation, managing shade swap and its different LP pools. There's, there's like, the protocol has this growing kind of, to be honest, maintenance tied to it. And we really wanna be able to put uh, stakers and the community in control of, you know, when we say decentralized autonomous organization, um, when that decentralized autonomous organization is only solving for how do we spend, you know, the hundred dollars in our treasury, that's not super meaningful. But in our case, this decentralized autonomous organization, the Shade DAO that the community is governing, is going to be handling like 50 plus different parameters, multiple different sources of revenue. Like it's, it's going to, it's already beginning to scale beyond what the various core teams can handle. And so when I say the community needs to be empowered, I, I don't, I don't mean that in a, oh yeah, like it would be great to have the ethos of decentralization play out. I genuinely mean like there will be a shared utility that we desperately need. Like governance has to scale with the complexity of the protocol. Um, and, and I view that as an, another very important part of the shade staking story as time goes on. Um, and so yeah, shade, shade stakers, there's, there's really two different token holder types. There's people that you know buy shade but don't stake it. And then there's people that stake shade and I suppose you could also count liquidity providers as well. And, you know, there's been some interesting conversations about, you know, do, do protocols overvalue stakers compared to people that are just holding the shade token? Um, I think that's a question that is still at large, but at the end of the day, we, we view shade stakers as the most aligned actors. They're people that are comfortable with the 21 day uh, lockup, lockup period. They're people that are participating in governance. They're people that are protecting against 51% attacks. And so they're privy to earning, you know, protocol fees, protocol fees from ShadeSwap, protocol fees from interest fees, from borrowing fees, from liquidation fees. Um, they're privy to fees from the staking derivative. They're, they're privy to fees from protocol-owned liquidity. There's, there's lots of different fee streams that are going to be coming in. And there's already other products that are under development right now that will also help feed back uh, to stakers. And so... I will give a shout out to Kajira on this one. I think they were the first in Cosmos to really drill into this concept of stakers should be getting paid directly with real yield. And I, I think, you know, the more I've thought about that, the more it's interesting to think that it really incentivizes your community to optimize for growth, right? Because as the protocol grows, uh, in terms of actual usage, they get to see an increase in APY. And this is this is different than price go up, right? If, if um, the more, you know, tokens you give out to a person, the more incentivized they are to see price go up. But if you tie staking to the actual utility of the apps, you're actually aligning the incentivization schema where people are incentivized to increase the utilization of the apps. And that's, that's exactly what we want. That's exactly the type of alignment you want with your community. Less of a focus on price go up and more of a focus and obsession with how can we onboard more users and how can we educate them so they actually be, begin 
to use the tools in front of them in a way that then, of course, eventually trickles down and benefits the stakers themselves. So what can you look forward to as a shade staker? You can look forward to governance over the long haul as that, as that gets implemented. And you can also look forward to yields being tied to the success of how utilized these shade apps are. Yeah, and and you know another big part of that is continually increasing um, utility for silk. Not only uh, just increasing the um, you know the different applications and uh, services that the protocol can provide, but also you know silk utility is obviously one of the um, biggest indicators. Silk adoption and utility is one of the biggest indicators of you know the protocol's success in the long run, as it correct feel feel free to correct me if i'm wrong carter but i believe it is the the largest driver of revenue for the protocol um and so expanding silk utility safely and securely uh in doing so but expanding silk's utility outside of shade protocol is also something we're uh, really interested in we're going to have some uh great announcements coming up in the next week or so uh, detailing how we're planning on doing that the first steps for doing that um but I, I have one uh, point of clarification for you, Carter. Uh, we've been talking about all these different revenue streams, um, you know, whether it be trading fees, liquidation fees, borrow fees, interest fees, uh, minting fees uh, for staking derivatives. You know, how in the blog post that uh, we posted about the Shade Meta Engine, um, you know, there are some there were some steps laid out for how those revenue streams are actually going to be materialized. Um, through the use of automated market operations. And so um, I was curious if the implement implementation of these AMOs are going to uh, start going live once staking is on mainnet or, um, you know, like what, what are we kind of thinking right now as far as which ones are going to have the highest priority? Obviously, um, you know, there are short-term desires for people. Obviously, everyone wants to see the price of the token go up in the short term. But like you said, we also want to uh, plan for the future. We want to focus on that long-term sustainability. And we know we have community members who feel the same way. So curious, one, what what are we looking at as far as some of these AMOs that are going to be implemented uh, once staking goes live? And then, you know, how are we looking to prioritize short-term versus long-term? Uh, sustainability for sure so the most the most important amo is the one that converts the different treasury assets into a buyback on shade swap so this is like one of the really interesting kind of symbiotic components is as we accrue fee tokens in the form of silk in the form of atom st atom osmo st osmo etc etc you essentially we essentially have this tooling that goes to shade swap sells all of these assets for shade. So now we're creating buy pressure on shade, which is a net benefit uh, to, the, to, the whole, to the whole system. Um, and then those shade tokens can then be deposited into the, you know, via the AMO into the staking contract so that those stakers can see an increase uh, in APY or APR in the form of shade. So I would say the buyback is the most important mechanism to get uh, programmatically uh, implemented on the DAO. Uh, the next one is the protocol on liquidity, which essentially takes some of that buyback and matches it with other Apex assets that we really care about. So as ETH pools roll out, as Bitcoin pairs roll out, 
Uh, we want shade pairs. We want shade to be paired to these Apex assets. So we want a shade BTC pool, a shade ETH pool, a shade you know ST Atom pool, right? Um, and kind of the concept is that a percentage of protocol fees go towards deepening liquidity permanently on these pools. The benefits of this is it's easier for people to buy shade if you're coming from something like Bitcoin, ETH, or Atom. Um, additionally, there's also trading fees accrued from the protocol by kind of owning these different assets. And then the other piece is the price correlation. So right now, a huge percentage of shade protocols liquidity is tied to secret. So as secret price you know, goes up or down, we kind of benefit or are at a disadvantage based off of that price correlation. And so protocol and liquidity is really kind of like this portfolio management where we end up, you know, collectively as a community, kind of allocating how much of our fees and how much, how much do we want to tie kind of our price movement to something like, you know, Bitcoin versus ETH versus Atom. And there's really strong benefits to that. There's also some subtle disadvantages to that. Um, and I think the majority of the pushback that has been out there hasn't been tied to staking or real yield. It has been tied to the protocol on liquidity piece. So for anyone that feels strongly about that, uh, definitely would encourage you to start that discussion on Telegram or the forums. Um, and actually, Ranger Ranger, one of our biggest community members, is one of the strongest advocates of protocol and liquidity. So I've had many an hour worth of debate with him. And I've, I've honestly flip-flopped back and forth on protocol and liquidity and how I feel about it. Um, but as a whole, you know, it makes shade more liquid and more liquid tokens have, have stronger utility and have a, a, you know, a better reason to, to buy it or to utilize it. Yeah, and there's other, there's other things that uh, the protocol can do to also help with some of this price correlation, obviously. Um, you know, directing more emissions at particular pools is a is a fairly easy way to help deepen liquidity for particular pairs you're looking for. Whether it's to just increase the amount of shade uh, that is pooled to allow people to buy or sell with less price impact, uh, or whether it's we want uh, more of that price correlation um, with some of these apex assets like ETH and Rat Bitcoin and Atom. So. No, I, I agree though with uh, with what you're saying. There, most of the discussions that we've seen so far aren't uh, really around, um, you know, staking or uh, you know the the buyback. It, it's mostly been about protocol and liquidity, and I think that's mainly because individuals have different opinions on the value and security of various different types of um, assets that the protocol might want to own. Um, and so right now it, it's super important for everyone to, to give their feedback and give their opinion. Obviously we want to, um, be very cognizant and inclusive of what the pro what the protocols community as a whole, um, really wants to do, uh, with some of these fee streams. And so some of the ones that, you know, it, it seems like most people are pretty on board with the, the buyback and, um, redistribute or stake. Um, it, it really does seem like the protocol on liquidity uh, is the largest point of discussion. Um, and obviously there's going to be continued discussion there. Um, but I'm curious, Carter, if you think there's, you know, if we're looking at the short term, maybe let's say over the next three to six months, do you think that 
um, the fee allocations are going to look a bit different based on what we're trying to do in the short term as we're still looking to continue to build out some of these key primitives, expand some of these key primitives. Like, do you see the outlook of fee allocations changing drastically from short term to medium term? Or um, obviously there has to be some blend of short and long term outlook um, at pretty much any point in in your timeline. But I'm just curious what your thoughts are right now. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point. I would say protocol and liquidity represents the most passive in long-term view of the protocol. And then I would view fee share as probably the shortest term kind of view of the protocol. Um, and I say that as like, you know, if you think of like a traditional business, uh, like when you're, when you're paying out, um, you know, when you're paying out fees to shareholders, or when you're, when, you're, when you're paying out like revenue to shareholders, that's technically revenue that's not being allocated um, to, to like growing the actual business itself, right? Um, and so as a, you know, obviously different domain and diff- different concepts, but there, there, there's still some crossover here of, you know, every dollar from the shade DAO that goes towards being spent on uh, security or towards kind of fees towards the governance participants, is money that's not necessarily being spent on improving the underlying service. And protocol and liquidity really is the process of improving the underlying service because you're, you're deepening you're deepening liquidity and you're improving kind of the value of shade overall. Um, I think the initial allocation was an 80-20 split between stakers and um, protocol and liquidity. But I, I think even having like, thought about this longer, I think it's probably too aggressive in favor of the long-term view. I think maybe a 50-50 split would be maybe more balanced in relation to where shape, the story of Shape Protocol today uh, is. And then maybe over time, it becomes more and more focused on PL, POL. Although there's an argument that it should be the exact opposite, that you start with being very focused on protocol and liquidity, and then you work your way backwards to the being more focused on stakers. So I'd be curious what you think, Red. I, I, I honestly, there's, there's two different sides of the story there with advantages both ways well just speaking from a you know a personal perspective i generally favor a long-term um a long-term horizon for uh my thinking you know i got into investing as a value investor and so naturally my mind kind of thinks towards uh the longer term um but at the same time, with how fast this space moves, I realize how valuable it is to also have uh, those short-term mechanisms uh, working in combination with those long-term ones. Um, I think there's also, you know, kind of related to, you know, how quickly this space moves. Attention is a very hot commodity in this space, and uh, I attribute that to you know, this industry being very um, separated where you've got the different ecosystems that are kind of their own silos. You've got, um, you know, the inability for, except for, you know, uh, the occasional live events, you know, you don't have a lot of in-person interaction. And so um, I think that, and, you know, with the inclusion of social media, capturing attention and getting people to consistently realize the value of what's going on with everything else, um, you know, that that's happening. Uh, 
I think that that requires us to strike a bit more of a balance with short-term initiatives, uh, more so than I would probably naturally be inclined to think. Um, but, you know, just trying to be aware of the environment we're operating in and, and the community we've got right now. We've, we've got an incredible community who's been with us, I mean, a year and a half already, myself included. Uh, so obviously the individuals that are uh, still here that were here from the beginning, uh, from the onset, they have a very long-term horizon and they were able to kind of see that vision of shade protocol the long term even before these products were out and so i think we already do have a very healthy blend of long-term uh thinkers within our community um but i i don't think we should uh completely negate the the impact of short-term mechanisms to help increase price whether that be just through the buyback or whether that be uh, more distribution to uh, stakers in general versus protocol and liquidity Yep, but, I think I'm in agreement with that that big, pretty balanced take on it. Yeah. Um, so we've got we got uh, someone requesting. Carter, if you're cool with that, I'm going to bring him up here to ask a question. I've only got one other thing I was hoping to uh, touch on. So, Marco, I'm going to bring you up here. All right. You should be up here. Welcome to ask your question, or if you have any comments, feel free to hey. go ahead and uh, state them. Yeah, uh, so Carter said that um, with the staking that will soon be available, the meta engine will be kicked off, uh, which is which is true. But um, we shouldn't forget that first of all, there's more inflation coming, right? So I don't think that uh, like the first step or the first uh, yeah, stepping stone in the in the meta engine will even nearly. Um, compensate for that so it's a long road uh, in my estimation until those until those um those uh, value accrual mechanisms will will counter the inflation i mean there's still eight million nine hundred thousand or something like that uh, shade to go and to be honest uh, i mean i i uh it's it's a heck of a lot of shade that will come in the system and to be honest i don't see the meta engine i i don't i don't see the meta engine in the in in the midterm even to be able to yeah tackle that to be able to 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 uh, counter to counteract the the inflation. Yes, it's just my opinion. Maybe, maybe you can uh, convince me otherwise. I mean, I, I would say considering the current product adoption and how large Silk needs to get and the other products need to get, I would say that's a fair assessment. It's it's not a staking gets launched and six months later, you know, ever there's there's more fees being accrued than inflation being spent to bootstrap you know the user base and the liquidity so i I would say i would say that's an accurate assessment um i do think however that the growth of silk and the products when 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 the pieces kind of click can happen a lot quicker than we think right like in in the bottom of a bear market and it's it is it is brutal where we are it's i think it's easy to forget the network effects of of these products and actually cosmos in general 
So I guess my primary counterpoint would, would be that in, in the current liquidity situation of Cosmos and crypto in general, I would say, yes, we're looking at, you know, a year to two years at the earliest before these types of meta engine mechanics start to outpace the inflation of the protocol. Um, I think that's a fair take. I think the counterpoint is that things can turn around fast. And when when liquidity starts flowing uh, again on a macro scale and it starts to flow into crypto, that the flywheel that Shape Protocol is building and designing will allow it to multiply exponentially faster than other protocols that aren't positioned with as many products or with as strong of a flywheel. So um, TLDR product usage is the, is the only way to actually sustainably win. That's, that's, that's always been a part of the meta engine theory is you have to, you have to kind of build your way out of it, but you also need the users to actually use it. And so right now the meta engine isn't a silver bullet. It is something to look forward to. It is the beginning of a long journey. Um, but it's, it's the products and their adoption that actually wins the game of sustainability. Not any sort of tokenomic, ponzinomic, um, magic trick. <laughs> I think there's, um, you know, I think there's also things that the protocol can do. Um, and, you know, these things obviously have to be thought out, but there are things that the protocol can do to also, um, you know, help increase the utility of the shade token. And I kind of touched on it earlier, but, you know, emissions um, can be a powerful tool for the protocol to encourage users to not sell their shade, but to lock it up, whether that's in staking, whether that's um, LPing, whether that's uh, through bonds. Um, and so I think this is uh, something that the protocol is also going to take a, a close look at. Just like Carter said, these are the the meta engine looking to be able to have fee streams outstrip uh any sort of emissions that is a uh longer term horizon um but in the meantime we can do you know if we are going to be emitting shade if we are going to be spending it we can do it in a way that encourages uh token holders to continue utilizing that shade to earn whether that be again locking it up and staking to participate in these early fee streams whether it be to LP shade um, and, you know, just kind of following this train of thought, the more we can encourage individuals to LP shade, the less price impact that's uh, had whenever uh, individuals are trying to sell or purchase shade. So it's great for both individuals, um, you know, both sets of individuals. And so uh, as Carter said, with the rollout of, um, you know, ETH pairs, uh, rat Bitcoin pairs, that is going to be another tool for the protocol to leverage um, to help decrease some of this uh, price impact from any sell pressure that's happening as a result of some of these earlier emission schedules. Um, if you look at the tokenomics, uh, you'll kind of see the the outline for the emissions for staking and LP emissions. Um, and obviously that first year, and this is I think the case for almost every protocol, your emissions during that first year are going to be higher than uh, all of your um, all of the following years. And so, if that's still the schedule, you know we can be fairly strategic about how we're emitting that to to focus on providing that encouragement for users to actually use their shade rather than just sell it as they earn it. Right, but um, the thing with the uh... 
you know, in the early stages that a lot of, of the token gets released. I mean, we know that in osmosis. Uh, and if you look at the thirdening, it's actually, uh, well, I mean, like, there's also less incentive, right, for for LPs and for stakers to to uh, engage more in the project if there's less yield. So every time the thirdening happened in osmosis, it was like kind of like nothing happened. <laughs> uh, no, I agree. It was actually very interesting to kind of see, um, you know, to kind of see that observation play out. Um, but I think you know, with with the way that uh, Shade is prioritizing its pairings on Shade Swap, uh, you know, instead of trying to pair all of its assets to Shade, this you know governance token, uh, which is not only gonna, um, you know, it's gonna fracture Shade liquidity a bit more, but um, it's also a bit harder to focus your emissions on particular pairs if everything is paired to Shade. Um, but Carter, I'm curious if you think that, uh, you know, we've talked about the release of a shade staking derivative in the future. Um, and I'm curious if you think that that is going to play uh, an important part in helping with uh, shade liquidity uh, in the future. I was, I was actually going to talk about the emission numbers themselves a little bit. Like, yeah, man, go for it. I, I actually think of the right just over a million in supply the vast majority of emissions are not from lp emissions like the vast majority actually is from the vc the vc uh emissions which most most protocols don't like talking about but i'll, I'll actually talk about it as something as somewhat encouraging that we're actually you know once we hit february of next year that vc emissions is is over so i would say if you compared percentage of supply owned by vcs compared to emissions from liquidity providing i would say the far the the price is where it is not because of shade swap emissions but actually from those original investors in the bottom of the bear i'd imagine reallocating capital probably rotating out of shade, which is which is super unfortunate. So I think that's like the brutal truth in this situation. I think I think shade swap LP emissions are not like red herring would be really strong language. Um, I think the majority of price movement has come from VCs exiting as opposed to community members or shade swap, which is like really brutal to say out loud, but like I'm I'm happy to like transparently talk about the thesis on that front well so, thank you for talking talking honestly about that i thought about that and now we're here the first time thanks man yeah because i mean it's it's literally like over i think it's over three hundred fifty thousand tokens are tied are, are like in circulation to the vcs versus shade swap emissions to date i think it's probably like 20 to 30k which is which is a growing number right like that is that even that is emissions that is inflation but I would, I'm guessing the vast majority of the cell pressure is not from shade swap, it's from VCs. But there's and, um, the interesting part about privacy is there's, there's technically no way to confirm this. It's, it is the, uh, the very benefit to shade protocol, which is privacy, is the very thing that makes analytics like this hard. So, um, so that being said, I think staking, one of the, the big benefits is it gives large stakeholders 
a reason to stick around and lock themselves up. Um, to date, everyone's been perfectly liquid, right? There, there isn't really a mechanism to align your largest players long term. And so it's easier to just kind of sell. Uh, whereas staking, once you're kind of locked into it, it is definitely an encouragement to stick around. So um, I'm not saying that that's a, a, a solution, but I'm excited to get through February of 2024 to know that that portion of stakeholders have been fully dealt with and distributed to. Um, they were part of what it took to begin building and to continue building. Um, but I think in this situation, in bear markets, VCs having to reallocate, move portfolios around, it creates situations like this where it's confusing for communities. Like, is, is price going down because of shade swap emissions or is price going down because there's whales that are rotating out? You know, and that's still that's still on us. Like that's still on the protocol team to convince large stakeholders to not sell. And that's that's on the core team for not doing a better job for those large players, convincing them to stay. Um, so, yeah, like that's it's price go down means something is going wrong for the most part, period. Like someone has to take responsibility for that. And I would say the core team, we take responsibility for that. And we're actively attempting to communicate the long term roadmap and to ensure that long-term stakeholders are excited and aligned and i think staking is is very important i just uh, took a look at the um uh, the tokenomics today and uh, obviously there's more than just lping and the uh, developer fund and the uh, uh the vcs there's also things quite substantially actually uh like marketing and launch um you said it's hard to track not impossible like how how uh, realistic is it to have like an oversight of how much is spent you know like uh I, I don't know any tracking whatsoever to fall back to so the the dow is going to be able to release uh its viewing key so everyone can kind of view the the treasury itself i think that's something we actually want to do sooner rather than rather than later so it's it's not that we can't have transparency and visibility on you know certain sendouts but more so like once entities receive their snip tokens like what they do with it that part of it's kind of private as in we can we can transparently reveal everything the treasury and the dow does but the people that receive shade once they go and do something with it that's obviously their their sure. privacy and their sovereignty with viewing keys right yeah thanks but uh, only this one part would be already be enough right <laughs> oh can you say one more time uh like the just like what the treasury did and how much the treasury already uh put into circulation that's that's the very important thing yeah uh, that's actually i'm actually going to mark this down i th i think we could get a forum post up that gives the different buckets and talks about the current active circulating supply. I think that would be uh, actionable piece uh, that we can act on. So thank you for the feedback there. We'll, we'll see if we can get that put together for you. Thank you. Thank you for coming up and asking your question, uh, Mirko. We've got one more request real quick. I'll bring him up. Olaf, I see you. All right, Olaf, you're on stage. Feel free to ask your question. Hey, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, last time I was on with uh, Carter, 
uh, there was uh, talk of LP token uh, and um, uh, was this uh, mentioned now? Has there been any clarification on um, there was talk of a composition of a staking uh, token uh, that was going to be LP and based not entirely on shape? Yes, so I think after your feedback, Olaf, I actually think the staking of LP tokens is off the table from what I know. I think that was a pretty compelling argument that that was circulated. And also, like, full disclosure that whenever we do Twitter sessions and we kind of ID it out loud, they're, they're not, like, uh, locked in by any means. But your feedback was noted. And I think um, in the current state of things, it will just be single-sided staking to kick things off. And any sort of change to a different LP token tied to staking and governance would, would, would be a longer longer form discussion. Well, that's uh, really great to hear because, uh, you know, it, uh, it's apparent that uh, staking is uh, important uh, now, uh, a focus to make it incentivize uh, shade holders. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the right way to go. Thank you. 100% and, and thanks for your feedback. Yes, thank you both, uh, Olaf and Marco, for coming up here and asking your questions. Um, I have nothing further that uh, I wanted to cover. Carter, um, if there's anything you'd like to discuss before we wrap this up, um, you know, we can do that now. If anyone has any last-minute questions, feel free to request and we can bring you up here. Uh, but we'll probably be closing this out in the next few minutes. Yeah, I'll just say thank you for everyone that... Uh, listened in and thank you to the community who have continued to believe in the vision. I mean, we're, we're here to build essentially unstoppable finance. We're, we're here to build products that empower people with privacy and utility. Um, you know, we, we live in a world where uh, a lot of our hard work and money is tied behind a lot of, a lot of red tape and it's tied to, um, centralized monetary systems that we don't have a lot of control of and you know shape protocol it's it's not perfect it's uh there's there's mistakes that are made along the way but what i can promise you is every day the builders wake up excited to expand silk to bring it far and wide because i i truly believe that silk is a powerful force for good for protecting people's money and hard work and their privacy and their sovereignty and i also believe that shape protocol is a platform has this this opportunity to be a better version of DeFi that hasn't ever truly existed before. We've had transactional privacy, but we really haven't had DeFi privacy. And so thank you for believing in that vision, for believing in, in finance that can empower people. And um, obviously we we look at price, right? We're we've we've poured like our blood, sweat, and tear into this for two to three years. So um, we we hear you we hear your concerns um we're fighting tooth and nail to make sure that we can continue to build and do this the right way and that we can all win together um but it's only possible if we continue to spread the vision and the why behind shape protocol and um that's something we can all do together regardless of price regardless of market and i look forward to seeing where we're going to be in uh in three months the building will not stop Beautifully said, Carter. Thank you all for joining us today. A um, few things just as we're about to close out. If you haven't 
been to the Shade Protocol forums lately. Highly suggest you go see SBeam's latest post on uh, addressing silk uh, being above uh, market price or silk, um, the market price for silk being above its peg. Really interesting stuff there uh, and the implementation of some AMOs to help with that. Uh, anyone who's interested in getting a feel for what staking is going to feel like uh, when it goes live on mainnet, highly suggest you go play with it on testnet. Um, you can find it at testnet.shadeprotocol.io. Password is Spartan117. Um, also encourage you to join our Discord, our Telegram. That's where you're going to be able to stay most up to date with everything that's going on in the protocol. It's where most of the conversations are happening with the community. So if you're not a part of those uh, online communities, definitely encourage you to join and join those discussions. Um, and with that, we'll go ahead and close this out. Thank you, Carter, uh, for joining this discussion. Thank you, Olaf and Mirko, for coming up here and asking your questions. And thank you for everyone listening uh, to this discussion today. Hope you all have a great day. And, and join us later tonight at... 7 p.m. Central with Cosmos Joe. We're going to be doing a Cosmos DeFi 101 space discussing stable coins and the value proposition of Silk. So definitely set your reminders for that. That's also going to be a great conversation. Um, and with that, close out. Thank you all for joining us today. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was Shade Protocol, Moving into ETH and Meta Engine Discussions, recorded on Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Now if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. All aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke blows in when I start a session. Blink canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs. Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd. Let me take you on the journey. Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern. For certain, got the taxes included. Acting like a writer, never felt secluded. Another fixed game of try my love Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead or putting in new speakers It's a toss up driver or just tweakers Don't stress yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor We take a little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling Less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the box came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal? I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble